Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Today is Wednesday, May 20th. With us on the show, Corey Minton, superstar at Splunk, founder of Big Data Beard, racer of cars, world traveler, all around cool guy. Welcome to the show, Corey. Hey man, I'm, uh, I'm super glad to be uh, hanging out with you dudes. We're super glad to be hanging out with you too, man. Most glad. Plus, I'm pretty sure I have a sticker of you on my laptop. Hey. See, that makes me feel good. I will say that is one of the, uh, the benefits of handing out tchotchkes <laughs> is that when you see them on other people's stuff, you're like, oh, that's me. That's so cool. Makes me feel good, so thank you. <laughs> people love that sticker, man. People are always like, man, that one's awesome. Do you have another one? No, I do not. Sorry. Yeah. Well, this I mean, you holler, I, got. I mean, I got, I got, I got hundreds of them, thousands of them, and uh, you can go to the website and even order T-shirts now, which is kind of fun. That is so fun. I actually have to say, Corey, welcome back to the show. Uh, you may remember doing the latest in tech news, lit news, with me a while back, like maybe that. a year ago, uh, when this idea was getting launched on YouTube. Well, this is the down the road iteration of it. So, welcome back to the show. Uh, and I also saw in your social media that you have listed top 10 podcasts. That seems like a pretty big deal. You top 10 in big data or top, like top 10 overall? Yeah, it top, it's no, like Joe Rogan and then you? No. <laughs> what, what is it? <laughs> I wish that were the case, but it's not even close. Uh, let's be honest. We're a very big fish in a very niche pond, so it's not like it's that big of a deal. <laughs> right. uh, we're, uh, we're very happy with, you know, we got we're generally getting somewhere between two and 3000 downloads per episode. Um, and that puts us in the top 10 of the big data kind of tech news podcasts, uh, in, yeah. uh, in Apple. And then we got picked up by a couple of, um, you know, sort of rating websites that talk about, you know, kind of ranking this podcast in terms of, uh, listeners and kind of web presence. And we got noted as a top 10 there. So yeah, it was cool. Uh, that's cool awesome. thing. And we launched season six of the podcast uh, two weeks ago. So we're up and running again. Congratulations, man. Yeah, absolutely. You're right under, I saw somebody else. I can't remember. I don't, didn't recognize the name, but 190 million downloads a month. Oh wait. Yeah. That was Joe Rogan. I think there's yeah. a bit of news on him. <laughs> Y'all see that? Mm -hmm. I did. And I don't agree with it. You don't agree do with it. what? You, with you the facts? Don't agree with the news? <laughs> I don't agree with the whole idea of, of the podcast moving to an exclusive platform. Oh, you don't like that it's happening? I don't. Because one, yeah. I don't use Spotify as my podcast platform. Yeah. And I don't really want to have multiple podcast platforms. Granted, I don't actually listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. So, I, you know, doesn't what do you it doesn't really about? affect me. <laughs> I, but he's it's the biggest the name in podcasting. So he's going to set a precedence here. People are yeah. going to start doing it. The big data podcast is eventually going to be exclusive to something. And I'm going to be I mad can't about wait. it. And by the way, I'm 100% for it um, because I think so. Because here's the thing: I like technology that enables openness and inclusivity, and I think the podcast world has done a pretty good job of that. Where, like, if you have an idea and you want to record something, you can go to a hosting platform like Anchor or Blueberry or pick your flavor, whether paid or free, and you can land your content anywhere. Like the Big Data Beard podcast is on literally 15 different platforms, and we publish it once. That's awesome. That technology needs to be paid for in my mind by somebody. And <laughs> you did, you get that by listeners and revenue. So Spotify yeah. paying the big boy to come over. It's like, you know, it's like recruiting the biggest actor for your movie, like to sure. be with a studio or something. So I'm, I'm for the monetization because I think it 
gets Spotify more platform engagement and makes people maybe think podcasts are a bigger deal than they were before. Yeah, it's I'm comfortable with monetization. Right? Um, I mean, heck, I'm a guy who subscribes to, you know, four different digital newspapers. So I, I'm, I'm willing to go through the paywall for, for the yeah. news that I get on the internet. So I don't have a problem with that from a, from a podcast perspective either. Like if I had to just subscribe to the virtually speaking podcast, I would do it. And so Russ I don't have an issue games. with that. That he doesn't even play. I do. I, I do pay for video games because that I don't the, even play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I can I'm trying, to, I'm trying definitely. to support the developer because I think yeah. the idea was good, even though I don't like the game. So I'm, I'm all for the supporting Amazon, people. Amazon Crucible. Oh, I'll be on this? it. I'll, I'll be on it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be on Crucible. In fact, we talked about that because Bewley loves him some Crucible and Destiny too. Yeah, he does. Um, that's but the, that's this, all, I just that's don't. It, same thing with the streaming platforms, right? So the video platforms. I mean, I understand why all of the different you know people are starting yeah. their own streaming platforms, but I really like the idea mm -hmm. of having my stuff in one place. In fact, this actually spurs from PC gaming as well. Like, there's a lot more storefronts opening mm -hmm. up for uh, digital, you know, management of of your libraries for video games. I have 600 games in Steam. I would prefer all of my games be in Steam, but I also, you know, I like the idea of competition. So I am torn between that notion. Uh, I just like to have digital content, which tends to stockpile, be managed in one central area over time. Hmm. Well, Spotify's so, making a strong play to be the platform then, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> they sure are. I, I was kind of, I mean, I'm with you, Corey. I was kind of upset. Yeah. And sorry about the, uh, my outlook reminder going there. Let me just kill that real quick. Um, I didn't mean for you to comment on it. <laughs> no, it's fine. I know. I know. But the, the, the listeners heard it. <laughs> it's because I, I wanted to do some soundboard stuff and I left my outlook connected. Anyway, um, there was a lot of hate on Twitter towards Joe yesterday when that announcement got dropped, right? They, they called him a sellout. Um, Russ, would you do it for a hundred million dollars? I'm I'm happy yep. for him. I'm I proud would. that he built something that he could go and cash in. It's not a sellout; it's a cash in. I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to fault anyone on? for for making money for the work they do. That's not yeah. that's not something I'm ever going to have an issue with. So, so I just I, I just mean, wish, like for instance, for Joe, I, I wish maybe there was like a one week. <laughs> you know exclusivity because you know i have yeah and then it spreads out to everything that's a good way to do it something I'm, like I that think you know selling out's the wrong way it's the wrong term or the wrong use of that term i think selling out usually means that you've taken the money and someone has changed the direction of whatever you've got right that to me says sellout it's i i i take all this money and now i've basically given up creative direction or strategy or whatever it is I'm, I'm with you. I think that's more of a cash in. He still gets to maintain the brand. It's still his podcast. He still gets to talk the way he wants about what he wants. It's just exclusivity brings money to the table. Yeah. And it's a hundred percent the same show. So yeah. the, there were a lot of people concerned about the fact that it's a video show on YouTube. It's going to be a video show on Spotify, which I didn't realize you can do on I Spotify. That was a thing. I will be and very interested to see if his listener viewer count drops by a significant amount. Because we saw this, if y'all are familiar with the streamer Shroud. Um, I was going to ask you about Ninja. Ninja. Yeah. yeah, so Ninja switched to Mixer from Microsoft. And his viewer count is dramatically lower. I mean, went from wow. probably 70, 80,000 viewers, um, you know, on average to 10,000. I mean, Shroud dropped from 40,000 to like three or 4,000. I mean, it's, it's dramatic. Like the platform matters um, <laughs> as, far as, as far as the viewership stuff goes. Now, granted, look, they're, you know, 
Ninja probably, you know, it was reported he was making $10 million a year when he was streaming on Twitch. I'm very certain he got more than $10 million per year for the term of his contract. Yeah. So it's, it's not thing, a concern it... for him personally, but you do yeah, wonder right. from like the medium's perspective or the content perspective, if, if there's any growth there that matters, especially those guys don't really represent the esports scene at all. But I think as we've seen exclusivity go to certain leagues like Call of Duty League and Overwatch League where YouTube bought the rights to those and now those leagues have dropped viewership by almost 80%. It's actually hurting the wider esports ecosystem because we're losing that viewership and those eyeballs because people don't even, one, know that it's on YouTube or two, the interface is just awful for YouTube to actually find the live content because even when I follow them, half the time I have to search on YouTube to find the live content that's going on at the time. What do you think, Corey? You go, well, say something. I think it's I think it's all about the at the end of the day the content creators, which that's what at the end of the day I kind of put them all under the umbrella. Whether you're streaming, you're podcasting, you're you know you're a YouTube makeup star, whatever you are, you're a content creator, and the the majority of folks who spend a lot of time and really invest in it, it's kind of like pro sports, right? There's a lot of people that play, but there's an elite few that really get. Uh, to the top, right? And they get to play yeah. in those the upper echelons. And just like athletes, content creators, when they're at a a peak threshold of what you talked about, ninjas at you know seventy, eighty thousand, like he, like they probably look at that and go, uh, "This is probably about as good as it's going to going to get." How can I cash in right now that I'm at this peak, get some money, so that even if I see in the future so there's going to be a drop off, like at least yeah. I've cashed in and I get and I put yeah. an insurance policy in. Sure. That it may not continue. And by the way, athletes do the same thing, right? You get yeah, you come into a number one free draft pick, a year, you get fifty million dollars. Right? Maybe yeah. you tank, but you got that. And, and I think that's a, a valid argument for it. I think what we need to see then, I think there's opportunity here, is we need aggregators to pop up and start aggregating things. Like right now, if I want to watch a pro sports athlete who's in the NBA, I know that he's going to be on TNT on Wednesday nights. And I don't buy or go to a TNT app or download a TNT app for that specifically. My YouTube TV aggregates all of that stuff for me centrally. So I can go and I can view that and watch that. And I need something to aggregate that for me because I'm someone who follows esports closer than anyone that you will probably ever meet in your life. And I actually miss events with fair regularity because they aren't on Twitch. No, oh, wow. and and then I or or I cannot find them, or or I'll enter in three days into the event and be like, where did this come from? Sounds like a new platform it's, it's idea. Very Russ. difficult to get to get the aggregation done the way it needs to be done. Whether that's even from just a stats tracking or match tracking app, I can't tell you. I've switched through three or four of them over the years because either one shuts down or something like that, and, and or it doesn't. Have to develop your well. own, buddy. All right, yeah. so Maybe clearly we'll do that next. Clearly, we don't have any opinions on this topic. Corey, do you have any other bit of news you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, I was, you know, I'm always bummed to see uh, platforms that I like. Uh, you know, again, this is the monetization thing. <laughs> change their rules. And I know, I, I know you guys talked before about Wink uh, is one of the big violators recently where the Wink smart home hub you know, even though when you bought the thing, it had a terms and conditions when you signed up says, we'll never charge. You've bought the piece of hardware. You're with us forever. And then boom, like your thing doesn't work anymore. It's bricked. Well then Strava, are you guys, I think Bueller, you may be a Strava am, yeah. user. Yeah. I just saw so you they just, it. yeah, uh, they the just went on uh, Yeah. It's like tracks. Uh, yeah. Tracks workouts, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it had a good community feel and it had 
part of the reason I used it was it has a decent data export capability. So you could actually take the data and dump it into whatever your favorite data analysis tool is. So you could correlate it against other things. Of course. Um, but they just, yeah, sorry, data nerd. Um, they, <laughs> we've, we've all got those. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, I was, I was well, going to say my favorite. It, so it's fine. My favorite piece is the, the competitive aspect, right? Where, yeah. where it will tell me if I've set personal records or yeah. I can go and yeah. ride my bike down some certain stretch of road that's known as, you know, let's call it Shiloh Hill. And mm -hmm. I can, it, it'll tell me how far back I am from the, the fastest person that's ever done that hill. Like the, the cool. live analytics of, of the competition and, you know, it's, it's a video gamification, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, that's awesome. That totally ghost, reminds me of exactly ghost the ghosts kind of in, yeah. uh, you know, Mario Kart, right? Race I can race against itself. ghost riders or ghost runners. Mm -hmm. on, Gran Turismo. That's really cool. Anyway, so Strava's basically so what's now happening? said, so they're, it's gone to a paywall, right? So now oh. you're going to like, they still have, and they, they sent out the two founders sent out an email to all the members and basically said, look, it's all about you and we're including everybody, but basically everything is now paid. Uh, and we're going to focus all our development effort on paid things. And when they listed, they, so I dug into some of the docs and it basically shows what features that were free are now moving to the paid. And it's basically everything except like you can track your own stats. Uh, you can see, uh, but I don't think you can participate in any challenges and any no. of the stuff you're talking about. It's yeah, all part of the pay. And they don't give you any pay. breakdown after the fact. Like they won't allow yeah, you to know. There's no analytics. Yeah. No, it's not. So they, I mean, they I, give me I feel for those platforms. I, I think it's unfortunate that the, I, I guess the industry, or maybe it's just the way people consume stuff has made it impossible to do it quote unquote the right way, which is premium features take development, development costs money. So pay for our service up front. We, we just don't support it. We're so used to free or freemium that we won't even download an app that isn't free out of the gate, recognizing that at some point in time, the only way that they get to float the boat without just going and getting people's money, who they're going to have to pay back with interest, is to monetize it. And then we're angry when they do it. I buy video games that I don't like <laughs> to support people. <laughs> no, that you don't play. You say it that way. Well, that's not true. Like Fallout. I don't like that game at all. But I know oh, it's a good okay. game because 100 million people bought it. They're like okay. it's good, so I bought it to help support them. There you go. They it sounds like they need your support, especially Fallout. People. <laughs> yeah. Well, so <laughs> let, let me make sure because we did have a we did have a listener request. Corey, give us a quick breakdown. What are you doing over at Splunk? Yeah, so I uh, so I joined Splunk in December, and I'm part of the IT Markets Group, and I'm a strategist, which uh, means we're the uh, sort of senior technical pre-sales uh, and evangelism group within the IT markets. And so we help um, build and develop the things that um, our pre-sales teams and our uh, customers will end up using and doing um, to adopt Splunk for IT operations use cases. So we build workshops and demos and awesome. um, we kind of guide the, you know, product uh, and engineering teams on, you know, what's happening in the market and what they, you know, what the field and our customers are telling us. And we act as an escalation point if there's, um, you know, really complex um, kind of campaigns and, you know, large customers that need some care and feeding from some senior technical folks, then, then we're the group that does that. And so I've had the chance to start really focusing on a lot of our um, kind of modernization conversations that we're having. There's a term that Gartner coined called AI ops. Um, that's really about how do you bring, you know, how do you take the idea of, you know, you've got monitoring where you're collecting data about all the systems in IT 
you have event management, which is, hey, when something happens, you know, outage, something goes above a threshold, you have events. And then after you have an event, you have a triage and, you know, you have to do something to resolve the event so that you keep a system up and running and the system supports a business service. So how do you take that whole process and apply, you know, big data concepts around aggregation of large amounts of data that's both streaming in real time, historical, right, from a variety of systems that's, you know, really all the things that make up big data. And then how do you apply modern machine learning and AI to those, those data sets, but for the expressed utilization of making IT operations work better and work more autonomously. So how yeah, can like you automatic use machine remediation learning to, and stuff? Exa yeah, exactly. So like, what if, you know, if this is a known event that, you know, has happened, it happens, let's say even things like simple things like thresholding, right? So you, you, you have a, you know, a chart where, you know, four days, four, five, five days a week, it looks like one graph and then two days a week, it looks totally different. And if you just had thresholds that were static, you have a very, it's a very hard to know what's normal, right? If you have yeah. varying de degrees, well, why not apply an adaptive threshold that it starts to use machine learning to do linear regression to say over time, we know that at these times it's going to look like this. So the limits kind of follow the curve of, yeah, of normalcy. Really cool. So how do you like, how do you apply that machine learning at scale on diverse systems? Right. Um, and then you do things like, you know, if you think about, we've, we've seen like, we talk about AI as like a maturity curve, right? In analytics, you start with being able to uh, monitor what happened. Then you move up the curve and you can uh, say why something happened because maybe you're getting data from lots of different places, lots of different sources. So you can actually start to understand what happened. Um, then you move up to like predicting. So can you say, if I run a, a web storefront and you think about all the infrastructure and apps and middleware and things that support that underlying or that overarching service of, I need to sell stuff online, how do you start to predict the health of individual systems so that you can predict an outage? Like you can predict when something's going to happen based on operations. So that's really what we do. So Splunk's a, obviously a, a, a massive, um, you know, company now it's wild in terms of size. Uh, you know, you can read the earnings and that kind of thing, but it's, it's a massively growing company. 92 of the fortune 100 companies, you know, rely heavily on Splunk as the platform. And it's, you know, we, a lot of people think of Splunk first as security, but candidly, it's like IT operations, the total addressable market is much bigger than the security use case. So that's what I do, man. I get to go talk to customers about how to actually take, you know, modern machine learning, big data and AI capabilities and apply it to IT at scale. I, I've been hearing a ton about that stuff too. That overview. Not Instagramming awesome. this right I now love, is insane. <laughs> I love how articulate you are on that topic too, but um, I've definitely been following some other folks uh, that have been getting into just event-based architecture in general, right? And and obviously you're taking that much deeper because you're actually getting the AI, the ML side of it. It's not just about events and some of the, you know, sort of trying to avoid event fatigue or alerting fatigue and things like that. You're really getting into the predictive uh, analytic side of it. Um, I've been reading a lot about that, seeing like Kafka and some of what VMware is doing with their event-based architectures too, some of the things that are in the later releases of uh, vCenter, vSphere, right? And I know William Lamb and Michael Gash are, are big talkers uh, on the VMware side of that stuff. Do you, do you end up working with those guys much on... I haven't worked with them personally, but there's a, there's a lot of work going on inside of Splunk, obviously, you know, when you can't talk about IT operations without, <laughs> without addressing the, uh, the VMware giant, yeah. right. And understanding how, um, how organizations use VMware for running 
their private clouds. Uh, and so we actually, we have a variety of tools that we use to actually make it easy because, you know, VMware, obviously a big player, a huge uh, virtualization owner of the, of the data center, but it also, there's other things, there's physical servers, there's when you talk yeah, about Kafka, most people don't run Kafka on anything virtual. They might run it in containers and it may sure. be VMware's container platform, but likely somebody else's. Um, so we, what we look to do is, so we treat VMware as a data source. Like, hey, is it, makes sense? You know, what does VMware logs look like? How do we integrate those into other uh, pieces of data from other parts of the, you know, whether it's uh, middleware, you know, servers, OS, you know, in the environment? And how do you correlate that data more broadly? And that's really what the, I mean, at the end of the day, data analytics that is platform specific, like meaning it's, okay, I'm running VMware. I'm going to use yeah, VMware right. analytics. It's great. And it's, it's purpose built and it solves the problem. But if at any point the problem might be outside that platform, sure. it's really hard to use those. And we, there's a term called swivel hips, right? Where people are, they're <laughs> swiveling between like, okay, I'm looking at yeah. VMware logs and then I'm over here and I'm like, okay, I got to log into the storage environment that's not giving kind of all the logs to VMware. So I got to do that. And then, oh, I didn't even look at like the OS logs for the physical servers that are also part of that service. And so that's where the kind of the value prop of, uh, you know, an analytics platform, a data platform like a Splunk, and there's others out there that we can share. Sure. The aggregating data from all those sources starts to make yeah, the makes reality sense. of applying that machine learning at scale across those uh, you know, disparate systems and a correlating and creating those correlation searches at, you know, at, that are automated and then executing runbooks against like, oh, this is a known thing. Go just do this, you know, set of prescribed tasks. And runbooks don't always have to be, you know, like a script, like go, you know, re reboot this server. Sure. It can be reboot this server and contact this person and send them this email with these three recommended steps that a human needs to like decide through. Yeah, very cool. So um, selfishly, I wanna know if we can work together because I just moved into a new position where my job is to focus on solutions around DA, AI, right? Data analytics and mm -hmm. artificial intelligence with the Dell Tech ecosystem, with folks like you, with companies like yeah. you, right? So Absolutely, man. We'll, uh, we'll catch up. All right. So let's uh, swivel hips this back to some news articles. What else are y'all seeing? <laughs> I wish well, actually, we could can I, dance can I, like that. Can <laughs> I? Yeah, I can swivel hips. I'm in a, on a chair that really supports it too, which is nice. <laughs> uh, so one, one thing that's kind of fun, and I don't know if it's newsy. I guess it's news. So I don't know if you guys have, if you're motorsports fans, Aaron, I know you're oh. a, you're a petrol head, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't, so I don't watch NASCAR. I'm not a massive F1 fan. I, I like to racing. do these things personally. Agreed. Um, Me so. too. So, so this, this will apply to you. So I don't follow a lot of racing, not like hugely, you know, I watch it on Saturday or Sunday, you know, if it's on whatever. Um, but because of the pandemic, everybody went to like, most of them went to virtual races. So they all started, you know, they wouldn't all go to a racetrack and race against each other. Cause having 15, you know, pit crew members standing shoulder to shoulder was kind of not appropriate. So they all started using, uh, like well, they F1 all helmets started, on and stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> at least sneezing into the skull. visor. I'm just yeah. kidding. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, I like that mm. idea. But just the inside of that visor. Yeah, this, right. This. I just remember when I would <laughs> ride my motorcycle, and if I sneeze, it's like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm stuck with this. Uh, but they've all gone to virtual racing. So one of the platforms is called iRacing. And have you all ever played with iRacing as a racing oh, sim? Never played with it. I, I've seen it. I certainly have. iRacing is hardcore. Hey, dude, it's, it's so it's we've cool. entered, we've entered the world of iRacing. 
uh, because the Big Data Beard is going to be doing a uh, a virtual racing event awesome. um, this uh, this summer, and it's it's all around. Um, we're I don't know if you guys saw last year we did the Big Data Beard did this thing where we took a RV and we drove. Oh yeah, yeah, I followed that across the country. Yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. That was crazy. Yeah. It was yeah, like so uh, we, MTV Road Rules or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. It was super fun. We did inter- <laughs> that was, interviews that was super fun to follow. Way. Yeah, we did all these interviews, but we also like splunked the RV. So we we were collecting data from you know, telemetry, so GPS across the RV. We splunked the bathroom. We splunked ourselves. Yeah, how often is Kyle rates, having to get up and pee? Yeah, exactly. We knew it. We had the data. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. we're, we wanted to do something <laughs> like that again this year, but it didn't, it didn't work out, obviously, because all the conferences have also gone virtual. So the world of virtual conference and virtual racing is coming together this summer with awesome. the big data beards virtual race to conf. And so we're going to actually be doing a virtual racing series at tracks around the world. Uh, and uh, it's all based on iRacing. Uh, and so we're doing kind of two things. One, we're going to have a racing series, which is fun. We're all learning racing sims and I'm a, you know, I, I drive on a racetrack on a pretty regular basis. Um, actually the last time I was in your tech news, I was in my track car <laughs> goofing That's off right. recording that. I remember that. Recording it. So, um, so anyway, so I've jumped in iRacing because we're going to do this racing series with interviews and all this stuff, which will be super fun, but we're going to splunk the data, but we're also going to be working on, um, you know, this thing that gaming is a huge thing, right? People, I had no idea how big esports and gaming had been or has gotten, uh, started pulling Just a little bit on it. Just it's like major like a- billionaire investors. I mean, it's crazy to me. <laughs> Just right? cities again, having teams. <laughs> you yeah, know what it's I mean? nuts. It's, 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 it's a pure insanity. Well, so one of the things that we're looking at is like when we talk about monitoring and alerting and service power, like making sure that a service works, we're going to start building some things that we can actually use Splunk to start to monitor the gaming rig systems to actually understand performance at a really granular level inside okay, the devices. Cool. And so then we're going to actually showcase where like during races we'll have the data and we'll actually be able to overlay like if somebody's having system performance and correlated against the racing performance and so we're going to do some fun stuff that we're going to try to make it kind of a, this is going to lead to pick crews for desktop gaming pcs <laughs> okay so you would yes. this. so get this so I don't, and this is this is kind of the news right so love it or teams like you know mclaren or ferrari like they've they've invested in massive oh, yeah. like racing rigs because and one of the things i didn't I, I should have made this logical jump. I didn't realize that a lot of the young, uh, like F1 racers and that kind of stuff, they, they really like, they spend tons of time in a sim. Oh yeah. You know, like learning the track. And so they, oh, so, yeah. so now, uh, one of the racers, <clears throat> I can't remember which one from McLaren, somebody had a, uh, a, like a hardware failure that took them out of the race, like the F1 virtual race. And so now there's like a whole team, exactly what you said of like, there are IT professionals who yes. did what? other things within racing That's teams so cool. who are now being tasked to be like, like hot swapping Ram. They're exactly, I mean, they're <laughs> legit. Like, watching these things. You got so GPUs so, yeah. just stacked yeah. on the shelf next to them. Yeah, so exactly. I was, so we're going to, we're going to figure out how to use data to predict those things and guide those new, those new digital pit crews. Well, on what time for another so. career. I was super great at cruising USA. Would I be good at iRacing? I think no one was not. great at cruising USA. <laughs> for cruising USA, you like double tap the gas. Oh, I remember the double tap. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's legit, man. We've got so I've got a I built so a, cool. a sim in my house, um, and I didn't build anything like crazy. Got a you know kind of a basic gaming desktop. Got the wheel and the seat and all the things. I haven't gone full three screens yet, which I'm this close to doing. I've just got one massive screen. 
but it's it's like you cannot play like it says we support playing with an xbox controller but right. you it, it, you it doesn't do it. work you can't do awesome. it. yeah i <laughs> did that with our factor a few times it was a little easier to do but with iRacing i always had to bust out the the wheel always yeah, you, had you to. have to so we're uh so what's fun is like for me, it's a chance where like Barber Motorsports Park in Birmingham is one of the tracks that's on there. That's cool. the track I drive on all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's great because now I can go practice, which gives me an unfair advantage for when we start racing. Absolutely. There. But it's also fun because the other big data beard boys, they're not. It's a they competitive they're not motorsports Corey, It's not unfair. It You're putting in the time, <laughs> work, the effort, the labor, the sweat. Yeah. So these guys are going from like games like Forza, which is, you know, it's fun, but it's not like, it's not a sim. It's, a it's not a compare, no. Yeah. To iRacing, which is hardcore. Like even it's so hardcore that it's like, uh, archaic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, a hardcore bulletproof system, like a mainframe, it looks ugly. The interface is crap, but you're like, this thing will always run. It's bulletproof, yeah, true right? There's some flight simulators yeah. like that. Oh yeah, I race the same way. It is yeah. racing's totally... the game where if you don't break straight, you're gonna flip the car. Like it's yeah. it's it's not yeah, it's can... not forgiving at all. That's no, fantastic. If you, you can actually use trail braking in iRacing effectively. Like it's it's sensitive enough to if you understand advanced racing concepts and techniques, you can input them and it works. It's cool. it's wild. So, anyways, iRacing is super fun. If you're not into it, get into it. If there's a whole ecosystem of people and it's what's fun because you can build a new computer. i swear we're going to get back to new stuff but what's trail breaking no, is that when you just slam into the person in front of you no so <laughs> so let's have a conversation Sounds effective. About trail breaking uh, give me the five actually, the five second like explain it to me yeah, like five, five second version of it is it's when you're if when you come into a corner you're breaking in a straight line and generally you put all of your braking pressure in while you're in a straight line and mm -hmm. you really don't start turning the wheel until you're out of the brake because you only have so much traction that a car can, yeah. can you know, okay. supply. And so trail braking is the concept of easing the brake instead of being all on the brake and, you know, and then turn the wheels and you're out of the brake to, you can actually begin to loosen the brake slightly as you begin to go into the turn so that you transfer the weight more slowly off okay. of the front. And it's not this, this like, hard you know switch Jarring. because yeah i do that day, every year okay and by the way i can't if you want to if you want a lesson <laughs> like this, a go to the go to the big data beards youtube channel so i we did a show recently on um this this device called an apex pro and it's this little device that you put on the dash of your car and inside i saw this it, it's a it's like a little microprocessor that's getting thousands of data points per second and calculating basically the traction that your car has at any given point on the track and giving you real-time feedback on this lighting panel of are you utilizing all traction or not because That's at awesome. the end of the day you're, wow. you're trying to keep the car if you think about there's acceleration in you know kind of every direction you know if you're accelerating you're hitting the gas you're going backwards if you're braking you're going your acceleration's kind of going taking you forward you're turning you never want to be static like you you want the car either constantly under acceleration under turning braking right and so you never want the the xy plot of your you know acceleration to go through the center and this thing does that like it gives you feedback of are you keeping the car under that acceleration at all times so anyways it's, and, and Corey, it it's, it's worth mentioning here and maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong but i'm assuming that no abs is being used during this process like you're like you're not leveraging anti-lock braking no right. well mine yeah. yeah mine doesn't work <laughs> right so <laughs> that, that, but that's something to keep in mind like if you say yeah. that easing onto the brake 
Um, yeah. There's, you know, yeah. anti-lock braking is, is in our day-to-day lives what allows us to do that. Not having yeah. that creates a completely different barrier. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely does. Yeah. It's there's, so anyways, iRacing is so, you know, there's all the driving aids that we talk about in cars that we have, you can modify those too. And so in the competitive racing where all that stuff is turned off, you need that ability and understanding of concepts like trail braking, um, you know, to be effectively fast like the pros are. So yeah, iRacing opened up a Pandora's box and it's uh, super fun. <laughs> All right, now we just have to marry that up with uh, some solid VR and uh, get rid of that screen, go full, uh, just invest in the gyroscopic uh, six DOS they, system, right? Someone yeah, no called kidding. Daniel. <laughs> so the other one I'm into, I saw a news article this morning uh, uh, in Atlanta, they've got the world's first remote controlled scooter uh, force what? being sent out. So, what? you know, you got the bird, like the bird and line yeah. of scooters that people just, yeah. you know, you ride them, you leave them. You find the app, you walk to it. Well, there's a company safe. in Atlanta that has basically created remote control scooters that they've put out, you know, a couple hundred of them in Atlanta and operators sitting in a data center in or an op center in Mexico City, remote control drive them to wherever people need them. And so they actually drive these little scooters up. Like if you're like, hey, I'm leaving the office, I need a scooter. Instead of you like looking around to find one, oh, they nice. yeah. drive the scooter to you. That's so that you cool. can actually get on it, which is pretty rad. And I'm a huge scooter fan. Like I, uh, I, I bought a, uh, what do you call it? A boosted boards. Have you seen these? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. So boost boosted boards is like the company that started the electric scooter or electric right. uh, skateboard world. The skateboards. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. They started, they built a scooter and it is legit the most fun thing I own. Like I, I <laughs> it's awesome. besides the track car, like I drive a scooter all over town. You can just see my beard parted in the wind. <laughs> as I uh, travel around to go get groceries. It's magical fun, but remote control scooters, pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's good. When you first said it, I thought they were going to be like delivering people to where they needed to go. And that just sounds like a recipe for disaster, but bringing the scooter to you, I get it. I'm, yeah. I'm in. That's the idea. Russ, you got to head out. I do. And my daughter's screaming at me, but the last, last two things from me real quick is one, if you saw Microsoft build was going on, um, the windows, the Windows subsystem for Linux version 2.0 is going to be going live pretty soon, which is a fully embedded Linux kernel, which is awesome. I think a lot of people who know me know that I'm a very big Linux nerd and use it in my daily life. So that's pretty big because it's going to allow the adoption of actual GUI-based apps from Linux, which is, which is pretty cool. I'll be interested to see what, what goes on with that. And for I your esports-related news for the day, the CDL, which is the Call of Duty League, uh, ran by Activision, like I said, moved to YouTube. They have changed a lot of their formatting throughout the year due to the coronavirus, and they just made another very large change to the fact that they are actually going to be doing a, their playoffs are going to move to a more traditional sort of tournament seeding format, where instead of taking the top X amount of teams based on the season's performance, all of the teams are going to be on, it's all just going to be uh, in, in, a, in a final tournament. They're going to be seeded based on their performance throughout the season. Uh, and the prize pools were adjusted to where the first place team will take two million, second place team will take one so, million, um, third place five hundred grand, and it keeps working down. Yeah, the only people Yo, not getting bucks. money is eleventh and twelfth place. Um, basically, the top ten are that's all going to awesome. take you know seventy five grand or more. Jeez, that's so that's awesome. So, okay, well, I got your uh, I got your update. outro sound here, Russ. You ready for this? I'm ready. From the outside, yeah. <laughs> See you, Love bud. It. Later. Who gave Yuli a soundboard? <laughs> I'm sorry. Let us know in the comments if you want me to stop that.
No, don't stop. <laughs> I approve. All right. Bring more uh, what other what other big things do we need to hit on? Ben, I saw a good uh, little topic to springboard off that Microsoft comment. Apparently, they're uh, partnering with OpenAI and building an Azure-hosted supercomputer, 285,000 CPU cores, 10,000 GPUs. Um, that's it's fun to see that stuff happening at scale. Obviously, I always like the supercomputer one-upping games, right? Yeah, I think you know one of the ones I was I've been watching is this uh, GraphCore. You know, there's have you seen these guys? They're um, oh. so in the world of supercomputing. You know, there's there's arguments over what processors and processor you know technologies are best, and the short answer is it depends on the like the work that's being done. Um, and so whether AMD and Intel are fighting over you know how many floating bits are necessary for CPU and Nvidia is, you know, rapidly advancing GPU technology. Yeah. Google's, you know, leaned in on their tensor processing unit for, right. you know, the AI workloads. GraphCore is a, is a startup. I think they're based out of the UK. I don't, don't quote me on that, but their startup that basically has come up with an I, they call it an IPU and it's an expressly, you know, designed chipset for processing modern machine learning workloads. And, uh, and they're basically able to achieve similar levels of teraflops uh, of performance in like 10% of the floor tiles that many of these kind of, oh, kind wow. of modern supercomputers are able to, uh, to achieve. So you imagine like, you know, these top 10 supercomputers, there's a list of the top 300 fastest supercomputers on the planet based on their uh, processing capabilities. Like their, their argument is like, we could potentially have some, you know, some of those be literally 90% smaller in data center space. Um, Significantly, that's power cooling, that kind of stuff. So anyways, it's just interesting. I've been watching them because they're, uh, when they when they kind of betaed some products, they sold out so fast that, and I think all of it went to stealth organizations that didn't want to talk about it. So it's been hard to find out what's going on with them. But I think the game of, I think the game, the game around processor technology for, specific workloads as we get and like intel's doing the same thing with fpgs yeah. and custom built asics like right i was gonna to say that this reminds me of asics in general right you know if you've got something if you have a specific use case a specific type of calculation that needs to be done then there that is a good use case for asics problems with asics being that they are so specific that it's mm-hmm. difficult to make adjustments and as quickly as things change that can put you behind fast too but yeah i'm gonna have to read into this i ipus are unfamiliar to me a graph core i hadn't actually heard of them but I, I love the idea of uh, those, you know, purpose-built circuitry, right? And yeah. and obviously there's demand for it just based on some of the well, stuff you were sharing. So yeah, and the the way that the, I mean, the the thing that happens that causes the shift where we went from everything needed to be general purpose to now we're getting very you know in design intense for mm-hmm. any single purpose is the just scale. Like it's just yeah, the scale of things that we're doing now. So like, if you know, hey, I want to process this kind of data in real time with this processing framework using right. this set of math libraries. And oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure it's going to be about, I don't know, maybe a hundred thousand of them. Like, is that yeah. enough to order something custom? It's like, yes, absolutely. It's like, yes, it's totally not I need one right. of them. It's I need, and that's what's happening. These organizations that yeah. are doing large scale ops, whether universities, researchers, yep. you know, healthcare companies, 
the scale problem, the scale size removes that like customization problems really, really. Oh, quickly. for sure. For sure. The same thing happened with uh, Bitcoin mining, right? I, I mean, it started with CPUs, moved to GPUs when it made sense, which happened pretty fast. And then it went straight to ASICs and you started getting teraflops that just trounced what you were able to get out of CPU GPUs from an efficiency perspective, both power and otherwise. So it was an obvious transition and there was enough demand for it, good, bad, or evil. Um, that that it just made sense to go down that path. So I, yeah, I completely agree. Some of these things, we understand enough about what needs to be calculated that doing it at scale with specialized uh, silicon is is absolutely just the right answer. So that's cool. I'll have to dig into that. All right. Uh, that probably puts us at time. I kind of want to get into this. Um, so Facebook detailing the you AI. You had to say it. You had to say, it. you know, we had I, not talked about Facebook today. We hadn't. I know. We got, we're going to leave like 20 articles behind and you had to bring up Facebook. Okay. We can, <laughs> we'll, we'll save it till tomorrow. Too late. It's done. Bring we it up. Save it till tomorrow. Well, <laughs> the, so the, the, the big news there was that Facebook had uh, released a new shopping platform, right? Um, so sh shopping experience, uh, accounting for consumer traits and all kinds of stuff. But it, as you dig into this, there's a lot of intelligence, as you might imagine, um, focuses around AI. And there's a thing here, a neural net, it seems to be, uh, called GrokNet, G-R-O-K-N-E-T. Uh, and, oh, and I'm just, Lord. I haven't dug into it a whole <laughs> lot, but just, yeah, seriously, man. Do you, I mean, you, you're, are you guys familiar with the, the term, the, the grok, like to grok something? I've heard it. I'm not familiar with it. Educate me. Okay. So it's, and don't feel bad. I, I only learned this, I don't, I don't know, understand. in the last Intuitive. year. But it's, so to grok something is, it was explained to me the first time. It's to like understand something exceptionally well, but almost in that way that like you have to be in a chemically altered state to like really feel it. Like I hmm. grok this man. It's like, I, I feel, I feel this. Like, I, I, I can see that part of me now I've merged with and it. So, exactly. <laughs> so it's this thing that it's, it, it, it became a uh, really cool term that like if you were in the know in the Valley and you were a cool tech exec, like you would talk about, you have to really grok the, the concept here. And so when like that's why when you said Groknet and has the name that's of this scaring thing, like, you oh, with Facebook? No, it's just it's well it, <laughs> it knowing you so dictionary it, defines it, it as understand in a chemically altered way. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you're not well, microdosing LSD, don't even try. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so dictionary.com says understand something intuitively or by empathy, right? So I can see mm -hmm. the like the feel me kind of thing there. So, uh, but I just added the chemically altered cause that's what somebody told me. They were like, and I won't say who it was, but it was like, you know, it's like when you, when you're high and I'm like, I don't, whatever you're, I don't know what you're you into. Like, yeah. It's like when you're high and you like, you, you, somebody says something and you like, I get this. Like I feel this. <laughs> I was like, okay, man, I get it. You grok it. I, gro I grok you. <laughs> I, I, I was reading something the other day that this is a total, total tangent, but apparently there's a drug. I feel like it starts with an S. I don't know what the name of it is, but it is an extremely trippy experience for a really short period of time. And so I guess people have taken this while live streaming and stuff like that. And it'll just be like, watch me do this thing. And then they'll go through their experience because time dilates and they like merge with their couch mentally. Right. But then on the screen, <laughs> they just take a nap for 12 seconds, right? Like they just lay down on the floor and they're gone and they snap out of it. And it's like, 
I have become one with the window film, right? And it is like, what? That's apparently, oh this is rocky for me now. Like, this is how I am imagining that experience. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's I, shut it down I there look. and maybe tomorrow <laughs> we can dig into this. I'm going to read this article uh, probably tonight, but just the, oh, yeah, the AI fashion assist, um, the 3D, you can view things in the, the seller platform um, in 3D and do AR try-ons. Phenomenal. But this Groknet stuff, the way they describe this is a little scary. We'll get yeah, into it. That's, and, and it's Facebook too, right? So you take something like Groknet yeah. where you apparently have to I'm like, delete, delete, couch, delete. And, and like they know too much about my family already. Like this is not going to be pretty. Hopefully they, they separate the part of the marketplace that operates like a Craigslist and it's people. And then you've got the shop side of it, right? Because yeah. do. I, I don't always like buying from businesses on those platforms. I'm glad they usually have options to take, out, take sellers out of it. It's like I've, I've got other places to buy from shops. I don't need Facebook for that. All right, man. Um, before Tyler shuts it down, what else do you want to plug? Check out BigDataBeard.com for uh, all the fun stuff on racing that we talked about. And uh, to keep up with what we're doing on uh, on the virtual racing series, there'll be more stuff talked about there. But thanks for uh, thanks for having me on to hang out, gentlemen. Dude, thanks for coming. This was tons of fun. You you are an excellent guest. You're welcome back anytime you want to come chit chat about basically anything. I don't care, but I could listen to you talk about all the big data stuff all day, every day. I think. Um, and that brings us to a close today. Thanks for joining us for another Tech Breakfast podcast. We hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. And as always, if you've got news we missed, something freaking awesome you want us to talk about or that you want to come talk about or just general feedback, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what's up. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And we will see you tomorrow. Pow, pow. Do we get a pew, booyah pew, from pew. you? Booyah. <laughs> uh, let's get another weird one in here. Um... Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Oh, there's so many diseases out here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, bye bye, oh my gosh, Aaron, you know which one we need? Which we, one? I, we need you to go find the crocodile uh, little tirade from um, Archer. Okay. That has got to be one of my favorite <laughs> audio clips. It's like, Cyril, why am I afraid of crocodiles? Why am I afraid of an apex predator that's older than birds? You know, it's like, <laughs> that, that needs to happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, bye, y'all. <laughs> Later, guys. Corey, that was awesome. Cheers. Thanks, man. Absolutely. See you, bud. Later, dudes.